another episode of the Blueprints Podcast, a Chargers Unleashed podcast. Might sound a little bit under the weather today. Um, just got over a, being sick for a week long. That was horrible. Uh, if uh, any of you watched that last short that I posted over on the on the YouTube for Chargers Unleashed, that, that did not sound great. Um, so yeah, I got over that. I can finally talk again. That's great. Uh, I have a hot drink here just for you know, when I need to recover a bit. So a lot of news from the last two weeks, right? Uh, I just have a list here of just pure coaching moves that the Chargers have made. And that's not even taking into account the the director of personal player or player personnel management, I believe is what they called it, um, that they just hired. Um, and that doesn't include Jojo Wooden, uh, supposedly leaving to the Raiders. I don't know if that's confirmed or not. I haven't checked. But a lot of moves from the last two weeks. Um, and so we're going to hope my voice does not go out before we finish the list. Shouldn't take too long. But um, at the end, after we're going through the information, going through the conversations, uh, I'll answer a couple of questions that were thrown to me on, on Twitter uh, that I asked for. And if you guys don't frequent Twitter... And you guys don't get the opportunity for these mailbags or these these Q and A's that I put out there. Let me know, and I'll start posting them to the YouTube. That way we can get through everybody's questions, and I get more chances to talk. I guess right. Uh, if you see my dog pop up in the background, I'm sorry. You'll probably just see her tail, or you'll see her ears right here, or something. Um, is what it is. She's a sweetheart. You might hear her sneeze every once in a while. <laughs> I promise she's a sweetheart. Um, but yeah, let's hop into this. So, first one is the most recent. This one happened today, this morning. Um, and that is Notre Dame safeties coach Chris O'Leary is the new Chargers coach. Uh, follows Jesse Minter over to the Chargers. Um, from what I understand, they coached together, him and Jesse Minter, at Georgia State. Um, so there is some familiar familiarity there, right, with uh, with Jesse Minter. So there was a prospect I really liked last year in uh, in Brandon Joseph at safety, and um, Chris O'Leary was his coach. I'm not sure if he was his coach during the. Um, I know Brandon Joseph had like a down year uh, in his last year before entering the league. But did coach Brandon Joseph uh, in college. I was higher on Brandon Joseph than the consensus, I feel like. Was a big fan of his, um, his versatility that he offers. Um, you know, the safety room is going to be a big question mark moving forward. That's, that's a huge coaching hire. Um, whether he's the guy for it, I don't know. But you talk about Derwin James. You talk about uh, JT Woods. Uh, Derwin James needs a rebound year, and JT Woods needs a year. <laughs> he just needs he just needs to be there. So, you talk about getting a coach that you believe in for the job, um, and that's a that's a big deal for the Chargers. So, Chris O'Leary, new safeties coach for the Chargers. I'm, a, I'm not going to say I'm a fan or not, but I'm going to say that it's a huge need for them that is now covered up. Right, um, getting that safeties coach in there. Um, and hopefully these safeties can uh, have a rebound year 
Um, we'll see if Alohi Gilman is in the plans for next season. I feel like I feel like there's just going to be other priorities elsewhere. I feel like it's just not going to happen, but you never know. Uh, I have hopes that he'll return. I think he will be a good safety three, safety two, kind of like bouncing between those. Um, but they do need they do need a better performances across the board from that safety room, um, and more consistent performances from Alohi Gilman as well. So, all on board, you know. Put all my faith in Chris O'Leary, and we'll see we'll see how he does um, over this off season. And that's the not the only change on the defensive side right now. That's uh, Navarro Bowman. Um, again, I don't know if this one is confirmed. I just saw that it was likely a done deal. Is going to be the new linebackers coach for the Chargers, uh, former Jim Harbaugh player, and Navarro Bowman, one All Pro, um, absolutely fun player to watch. I always watched the Forty ers growing up because that was my family's team, and so. Navarro Bowman was always always on my screen uh, all throughout the week because just different family members watching it throughout the week whenever they could, and 49ers football was always on my TV. So super excited to see that face in there. You, you, it's really good to have that uh, prior experience, right, on your football team. It just gives you, it gives you somebody to relate to in the linebacker room, and this linebacker room is about to see a lot of turnover. So he's going to have his hands full. I can't see them retaining Kenneth Murray, and I don't think Kendricks is making a return given the cap situation. Um, so he's probably going to get a clean a clean slate here in terms of who they're bringing in. It's probably all going to be fresh. You're talking probably two rookies, one being like a mid-round draft pick, one maybe even another late-round draft pick, and probably a UDFA as well. So you're talking... You're talking a lot of young linebackers in this room. Um, I don't know if they'll address it in free agency. We'll see. Uh, I don't think that's a, something they can really afford right now, but given the organization that they're kind of muddling themselves after in Michigan and Baltimore, um, I think you're kind of getting this... Uh, you're going to see a renewed importance to the linebacker position. It was really ignored under Tom Telesco. Um, which one, which some would argue that's that's okay, um, that it's not a it's not a valuable position. Not not that it's not valuable, but that it's not. What's the word here? The value of the position does not match the passing game, right? Where everything is focused around, you need to invest in your passing game. That's where your value is in the NFL today. Um, and I would argue that linebackers are probably making a comeback right now. If you can find a physical elite linebacker right now, your your defense is at a huge advantage. You talk about the Fred Warners, the DeMario Davises, um, Levante David. If you have a great linebacker on the defense, uh, you have a huge advantage over the offense because no, you don't game plan around this anymore. You don't draft the players to counter these big linebackers, these physical linebackers anymore. So it could be a, it could be a huge step up for your defense to have one of these guys. So I'm excited for Navarro Bowman to come in. A lot of exciting linebackers, I would say, more towards the mid to late rounds. There's a couple guys I like early, uh, to name a couple. There's Peyton Wilson, Edrin Cooper, um, and Jeremiah Trotter. Um, Cooper's probably my favorite of the three. Peyton Wilson would be 
but there's some injury concerns there. And then Cooper has his own concerns with uh, some missed tackles. I think he had around a 10% missed tackle rate in college. Um, but Cooper's my personal favorite, uh, even though I really love Like if Peyton Wilson was had a healthier career and a lot cleaner college career, we're talking, I think that's an easy late round first or a late first round pick right there. Um, so would not be upset with that either. I just, I, I can't draft a linebacker in the first round or in the, even if they trade down to the 20, even in the second round, it's a little rich this year. So, um, but there are some early guys I like. As long as you're taking them early third round, late second round, whether it's like a trade, you know, that's another reason they should probably work on, on trading down in the draft from five. So lots to talk about at linebacker this offseason, and I'm really looking forward to it, especially as we get closer to the draft here after free agency. Really excited to talk about linebacker. Ryan Ficken was retained as special teams coordinator following a coaching revamp. Um, so basically the entire coaching staff has been remodeled and Ryan Ficken was retained. And, you know, I think that speaks for itself. Phenomenal coach last year. Everybody knows it. Top five special teams unit with the chargers. That's unheard of. So really excited for Ryan Ficken. Really happy that this decision was made. I know there were some worries about, if Jim Harbaugh would bring Jay Harbaugh, I was never too worried about that. I was pretty confident in Ryan Ficken, but the, there were there were doubts there, right? So, happy to see it. Steve Klinkscale, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Assistant defensive coordinator for Michigan, follows Jim Harbaugh to the NFL after initially staying. So was Steve Klinkscale. You know, I'm not too I'm not too familiar with him. He was assistant defensive coordinator for Michigan. I think the the most telling thing to take out of this is he was originally going to return to Michigan. Supposedly he went to players and he let it be known, "Hey, I'm returning." And uh recently just changed his mind and decided to make the the jump over to the NFL with Jim Harbaugh. So, whatever the incentive was there, I'm sure there were a lot of conversations around it, but um Another solid addition. Most people seem to like it. So, clean scale, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, to the Chargers. Um, something I covered in a short but didn't cover in a full episode was um, Mike Elston, Greg Roman, and Jesse Mentor all kind of at the same time being announced to the Chargers. Um, I'm probably going to come back around to that note. Um, we'll, we'll cover the smaller hires first, and then we'll probably come around to... Uh, Greg Roman will probably be the very last thing we talk about here before the questions because I just I want to have a little conversation about that uh, before we go too deep like into everything. So Dylan Roney is also following Harbaugh to the Chargers. He worked the edge room at Michigan uh, from what I understand. So again, not overly familiar here, but he is a Michigan graduate from what I understand. So uh, worked to the edge with uh, with Elston, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so potential edge coach for the Chargers as well. I don't know if it was given a formal confirmed position here, um, but again, just more coaches following Jim Harbaugh. Sanjay Lal, a wide receiver coach. He's made his rounds around the NFL. If I were to go name all the teams, I would just be naming like 22 teams. Um, 
he's worked with a lot of good wide receivers and worked with a lot of NFL teams. So a very experienced coach to come into this room uh, with the rest of these coaches. So a good mix here of really young coaches and a lot of experienced veteran coaches. Um, so a good blend uh, to work with heading into this season and to moving into seasons beyond to get these young coaches promoted and these veteran coaches more opportunities to go out and expand their experience and maybe get opportunities as, as higher positions. We'll see. Uh, former Chargers QB coach Shane Day is now current Chargers QB coach Shane Day. So um, not not I don't think he's young, uh, but I know he's relatively new um, to the NFL. I, I think Brandon Staley brought him around in 2021 or 2022. Um, I think it was 2021 and 2022 when Shane Day was the QB coach. And then last year, um, forget his name, uh, came with Kellen Moore. So... Obviously, Justin Herbert's two, maybe not two best seasons, but his best season came with Shane Day. So, is what it is. You know, that's a solid hire. It gives Justin Herbert some familiarity back that he has lost. Uh, obviously, with all these coaching changes, get him a familiar QB coach. I think that's a very smart move. So, no, that's a thumbs up for me. No, no problems here. And then Andy Bischoff. Bischoff, Bischoff has been hired as tight end coach and run game coordinator. Uh, and then one that's not involved here is uh, um, Marcus Brady as pass game coordinator. I didn't write that down, but um, big role for Marcus Brady as well. Um, so obviously the run game coordinator and pass game coordinator is going to be extremely important here because you're getting Greg Roman in. Um, and so these three are going to work really closely together. Greg Roman is known as a very, uh, a very good run game coordinator and a very good offensive coordinator when it comes to the run and implementing the run and getting the most out of your run game in general. So I, I appreciate these moves because it shows some awareness from the Chargers here. It shows some more awareness of Greg Roman's been out for a year. He, his passing concepts were kind of behind the, the eight ball there. And so um, they brought in some coaches to help out and to, to get things up to speed and to bring different perspectives in here. It just shows a very good awareness from the Chargers here. And uh, I think it's super important here because as, we, as, we as we're about to talk about Greg Roman here, as we, uh, as we start this conversation, I know there's like a big panic button, right? And everybody keeps keeps pushing it because Greg Roman is the new offensive coordinator and Justin Herbert is his quarterback. And so ideally what you do here is you go get the Ben Johnsons of the world, these great offensive minds, and you put them around Justin Herbert, these great pass game offensive coordinators. Now, with Greg Roman, I'm not, I'm not overly worried and I'm going to explain why here. I posted about this on Twitter. So with Greg Roman, one, you're getting a coach that has been around the league for a while. Coaches develop. Coaches learn from their experiences. He recently took a year off. Steve Spagnuolo did something similar and returned to the Kansas City Chiefs, and now they have one of the better defenses in the NFL. Another coach who, who kind of took the demotion, took some some time to recover from, you know, a kind of a, a stunt is Dan Quinn or a stint is Dan Quinn. You know, coaches develop, they get better. 
they change philosophy. They change based on surrounding personnel. They change based on who their quarterback is, who their running back is, who their wide receiver one is. You know, you look at the Chargers. You're not saying, oh, man, we're building around Isaiah Spiller. I just don't buy that. I don't buy that from Greg Roman. Uh, what I buy is he sees Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, and he's like, hey, this is what the strength of our offense is going to be. And if it's going to be, hey, let's run the ball to open up some play action opportunities for Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, that's fine by me. Absolutely fine by me. Um, I'm not worried about it. I think you're just going to get something that the Chargers have lacked for the entirety of Justin Herbert's career here so far, uh, which is a run game, which is getting the defense working horizontally, getting them tired, and just getting that edge rush off his back. Um, I need the pass rush off Justin Herbert. I need it. I need it to go away because right now it's just unbearable. Uh, Teams have no issues, no reservations about just sending house, Uh, sending layered blitzes, delayed blitzes, uh, simulated pressure, everything. They're just sending everything. Everything they have in the book, they're sending it because they're not worried about run discipline because they're very confident that their front four, front five, front three are just going to be able to, to play disciplined ball and stay in their gaps. So I need this for Justin Herbert. So how do you, how do you spread this defense horizontally? How do you... How do you get this Chargers defense to get where other defenses were were sending house and being able to send these layered blitzes and send these uh, send these delays and everything, these stunts? Because, like I said, you get a good run game, you can spread this defense, you can spread defenses horizontally, and you can limit that by a lot. Otherwise, there's no there's no reservation. There's no hesitation to, hey, maybe we should send house here. Maybe we should send an extra guy or two here if you don't have a run game. So with the Chargers, they bring in Jesse Minter, right? They bring in Greg Roman. Greg Roman, establish the run, keep the edge rush from getting to Justin Herbert, keep these extra guys from getting to Justin Herbert, Help these offensive linemen that we already have on the roster. They already have some pieces there. Help them get the one-on-ones they need. Help them communicate easier. You know, you, it's hard to communicate all game if all game long you're getting a delayed blitz off the right. Oh, there's a stunt this way. Oh, got a layered blitz this way. And when I say layered blitz, that's a. I should explain that because it's my term. Uh, not necessarily my term, but... Um, that's just what I mean by, you know, you have your first, second, third level, um, and there's layers to the blitzes. You get, say you have your two rushers right here, other, and then you have one right here. Um, and then this edge rusher over here, I'll flip that, this edge rusher right here, maybe drops into coverage. And then you get this this linebacker behind him that gets a, a, delayed, a delayed blitz, right? So what you have is maybe this guy crosses face to, to pick up some, some extra guys off the offensive line. Hey, pay attention to me. This guy's only purpose is to get to the quarterback, and that's your initial blitz, right, is these two going around like this. Now you have your second layer, which is the third guy I was talking about right here coming around behind this guy. So you get this action going. Grab attention, get behind. So this guy, maybe like a hesitation step, 
bring it behind the, the other interior D line. Once that's settled, this linebacker, okay, which gap is open? Let me go. So that's what I mean by a later blitz. It's not, not too much to it. Just wanted to explain before I keep going. So how do you stop those? How do you start those? One, you stop the run. Or you establish the run if you're on the offense if you want to stop those layered blitzes. Because then you get into a problem with gap discipline. And if you keep a run game going, defensive coordinators are just going to be too nervous to be able to be able to send that all day long, right? So that's what Greg Roman brings in. And Jesse Minter is going to bring in the opposite, where you go and watch Michigan versus Alabama. Absolutely all game long. Those blitzes where there's layers to them, you know? Safety coming down, linebacker coming down, uh, slot corner. Maybe you're just getting the, rush, the front four rushing, but everybody was showing all game long. And Jesse Mitchell is really a guy. He's not going to give you established front all game long, all season long. He's going to mix up his fronts quite a lot. And so really excited for that because it's extremely difficult to a game plan as an offense and decide, hey, how are we going to block this front all game when it's changing up every single drive? So... Really excited for these two to come in and show what they have in terms of layered blitzes from Jesse Minter, delays, stunts, whatever, simulated pressures, whatever. Go watch the Alabama game versus Michigan. You'll see what I'm talking about in that first half. Absolute, absolute clinic from the Michigan Wolverines there. And then in terms of Greg Roman, just get this pass rush, get, get this pass rush off Justin Herbert's back. That's all I ask. Please, please, please do it. So now that we've kind of covered everything in terms of coaching from this week, um, let's get into some of the questions that you guys asked. Again, a lot of moves. I know a lot of moving pieces. Um, and we're going to all get more comfortable with the knowledge of who we have where as the offseason goes along. Maybe once all of them are, are finalized, I'll make like a list of here's what coaches at what position and what they bring to the table. First question, what do we expect from Jer Derwin James going forward? Kind of covered this a uh, tiny bit. Uh, new safeties coach, Chris O'Leary. Um, he's going to play a very significant role in finding where Derwin's strength is going to be moving forward in Jesse Minter's scheme. You're talking about where are you most comfortable? Are you more comfortable in Jesse Minter's like, dime linebacker spot, nickel linebacker spot right here? Um, are you more interested in some more slot corner? Are you more interested in just back there playing safety and covering the flats, right? So it's just really going to be a lot of communication here between Chris O'Leary, between Justin Minter, and between Derwin James. And that's how you're going to get the most out of Derwin James going forward. What do I expect? I expect a better year. I don't expect him to be like back to form. Like this is his 90 plus PFF grade every single week, you know, like that. Uh, I don't expect that to come back uh, right off the bat. Maybe he's get comfortable in year two in the scheme. But I do expect a better year out of Derwin James. I don't think, I don't think this is a situation in which Derwin James is cooked. I think that's ridiculous. He still showed plenty of times last season why he's not. Um... I think there were just a lot of issues with the coaching, with the game plans, and with those penalties that were called on him early in the season. I think that was a huge deal because that was affecting him. You could just see it down in, down out, that he he was in his head after those penalties were called. So 
I expect good things out of Derwin James. I don't expect the world of him, and I don't think the Chargers should either because um, that's how we got into this spot, to be honest. So just let him play football, man. Just let him go play safety and let him do a great job playing safety. I would rather have one position at an elite level than have him play eight positions at a dog water level. All right? Just, just let him go play ball. What does Greg Roman do different in the run game than other offensive coordinators? So... Huh. I mean, it's a loaded question. It depends on who his running back is. It depends on if these guys want to get Herbert moving. It depends a lot on Jim Harbaugh and Marcus Brady and Man, it's just going to depend. I'm telling you right now, everywhere that Greg Roman has been, he's done things a little bit differently in terms of running the football. All his game plans have been different in terms of Colin Kaepernick to Rod Taylor. Um, right? To Rod Taylor? 90% sure to Rod Taylor. Uh, and then Lamar Jackson, Huntley. You know, it just depends with Greg Roman. You're going to get a good run game. The style of run game, that's, it really just depends on the personnel they bring in. If you're talking Spiller, it's probably going to stay, I don't know, we're just going to have to find out. We're going to have to find out there because I'm telling you, um, you go watch San Francisco and Baltimore, like the concepts, the bones there are, are similar, but in terms of personnel in terms of how they run the football in terms of blocking schemes patterns all that it varies a lot based on who they have personnel wise so rain check so this next question was from alex um alex in store who do we start campaigning for at five in love at six fashion I don't know that I have that player yet who's like seen as like a mid to later round guy. Then I'm like, no, take him, take him top five right now. Uh, mainly because that's only like you can only really do that with quarterbacks, right? Um, <clears throat> at five, I'm gonna throw you for a loop here. JJ McCarthy at five in a trade down. So we'll all root for JJ McCarthy moving forward, right? Um, and hope that a team trades up at five to take J.J. McCarthy. So another pro quarterback pick. But Malik Neighbors at five, and that's what it should be. If they're picking at five, the pick should be Malik Neighbors. You can maybe sell me on Brock Bowers, maybe. I'm just telling you now I love Malik Neighbors way more as an option than Brock Bowers, so... Try to sell me on Brock Bowers, but I'm going Malik Neighbors at five by a landslide so far. I don't think it's close. Unless Marvin Harrison Jr. is there. There's a lot of what ifs in this question, all right? But even then, I still kind of like Malik Neighbors at five. That's my dirty secret, because even if Malik, even if Marvin Harrison Jr. is on the board, I still kind of want... I, I've just talked about Malik Neighbors so much at this point that I still kind of want him. So we'll see. 
Who are your favorite day two to three wide receiver and DB prospects? Huh. Um, I have a lot. I think the first one I want to talk about is Malik Washington out of Virginia. I'll have to double check on that, and I'm going to double check right now. Um, yeah, Virginia. I wanted to say West Virginia for some reason, but... Yeah, Malik Washington is an absolute wrecking crew at wide receiver. Um, he played like 95% or something like that of snaps in the slot. So maybe not somebody I see that transitions too well to the Chargers, given they have a Keenan Allen, they have a Josh Palmer, so and they have a Darius Davis. You know, They already have a, a shorter wide receiver that really can only operate out of the slot. But when you watch Malik Washington, if you guys liked Zay Flowers a lot, which I know you did, <laughs> I know you all did, um, you will love watching Malik Washington because I get a lot of the same vibes watching Malik Washington that I did as Zay Flowers. And I was a fan of Zay Flowers, but Malik Washington is probably actually going to go in day two or three, I think late day two. Um, whereas I knew Zay Flowers was a first round pick. And so there is that kind of reason why I'm a little more excited about the prospect of Malik Washington. But that's one option. Um, DB, Max Melton out of Rutgers. I, I really like Melton. I don't think, I would not be surprised if day two doesn't happen. I would not be surprised if Melton went in late round one. But I'm a huge fan of him. Great corner. Um, I think he has a lot of slot potential, but, you know, I think he can line up outside. I mean, he does line up outside. Uh, I just like the prospect of him in the slot. Very sticky receiver. Um, one of those receivers where it feels like there's a rubber band attached between him and the wide receiver. And, like, every time there's a little bit of separation to be had, it's like that momentum just whoosh, brings it back together, right? Um, one of my favorite terms in terms of what I look for in a DB is that rubber band, you know, is does it feel like there's a, a resistance band attached to the wide receiver and the DB, like where every time the wide receiver gets a little bit of separation, right? That DB just kind of closes in all of a sudden. Um, so I, I would say Melton out of Ruggers. I'm a big fan of his. Um, and then another DB prospect I'm a really big fan of, and I have been, I can't believe he's not talked about in the first round anymore is Javon Bullard out of Georgia, the safety out of Georgia. Javon Bullard is probably my favorite defensive prospect, period, in this draft. Huge fan of his. Um, I think he would bring a ton of versatility that the Chargers need. You talk about like that slot defender, safety, uh, a guy to cover the, the middle of the field and dime packages. Whatever you need, Javon Bullard can do it. So... Another And since I named two DBs, I'll name another wide receiver. Uh, Thrash out of Louisville. Big fan of his. Big fan of his route running. And his name is really cool. So I'll say Thrash. Is Jim Harbaugh a better head coaching fit than Sean Payton? My dog is crying right now. That's, that's how bad that question is. I'm just kidding. It's not a terrible question. I will say it's a better... It's better it has a better floor, certainly, right? You're talking less money. You're talking you didn't have to give up draft picks. And 
you're getting, I mean, same, you're getting a lot of experience similar to Sean Payton. You're just not giving up what Sean Payton needed. And, and I personally, I just think Jim Harbaugh is a better coach than Sean Payton at this point in their careers. Um, but we'll see when Jim Harbaugh gets some NFL experiences. Um, new NFL experience. Does a Greg Roman offensive scheme change now that he has a legit pocket passer under center? So this is what I was talking about, right? With that last, that number two question is what does he do different from other offensive coordinators? It just depends, right? And having a pocket passer and Justin Herbert certainly dictates that, right? So it depends. Do, Do Jim Harbaugh and Greg Roman want to get Justin Herbert moving? Do they want him to be a legitimate pocket passer? Do they want to get other pieces moving around? Do they want like a lot of pre-snap motions? Like what is the goal here? We just don't know. And I feel like we're not going to know until about halfway through the season where we say, hey, this has been the tendency of this offense. We're just not going to know. So I'm going to say again, it depends. I think the offensive scheme is 100% going to change, but I don't know that for sure. You know, he took a year off. It's a big one. He's developed. He has new personnel. He has Jim Harbaugh giving him direction. He has Marcus Brady as the pass game coordinator. And of course, he has Andy Bischoff as the run game coordinator. So it really just depends here again. I hate I hate answering in that way, but we just don't know until we start seeing things. We, we start seeing what the expectation is going to be. Is it going to be a lot of play action shots? Could be. And, you know, Justin Herbert succeeded a lot with play-action shots, so I'm not even that concerned if that is the case. But, yeah. Um, obviously, I think Greg Roman is going to be an interesting hire moving forward. It's probably what I'm going to keep my eyes on the most. It's just what I'm most familiar with, what I'm most comfortable with talking about, what I analyze probably the best. So, I think that the offensive scheme is 100% going, not 100%, is probably going to change, but... Don't know for sure. Uh, Looks like that is all of our notes for today. So, covered a lot. Covered new coaches on the staff. Covered a couple questions about the team moving forward. A couple prospects. So, in terms of moving forward, in terms of players moving forward, free agency, the draft prospects, uh, potential free agent players coming in or leaving, we're going to start getting to that because... The new league year is going to start soon. Uh, Today is the Super Bowl. Um, Today, as of me recording, this is the Super Bowl. So um, after after this week, once the season is officially over, we're going to start getting into more of that free agent and draft stuff. We're going to start talking contracts and such like that. So I can tell you right now, we're going to be covering all the positions. It's not going to be it's not going to be singled out. It's just not going to be favorites because man, this team just needs good players moving forward. we're definitely going to talk about potential Chargers leaving versus returning, extensions, uh, cuts, trades, and um, some info I got on that. Not from within the Chargers. I don't have any connections to the Chargers. Don't think right now that I do. Um, but from other teams around the league, I do know I do know a guy or two. So I'll get their perspectives on it. Um, I believe I've already shared a couple of the perspectives in past episodes, but um, yeah, we're going to get more into this and I'm super excited to go through this off season with y'all. So until next time, once again, at the bottom of the screen at Centauri 13 on Twitter, 
follow me if you want some extremely terrible takes and uh, start posting in the future on more questions to bring to this and hopefully as we get to the offseason post some breakdowns on um, some Greg Roman offenses and Jesse Mitchell defenses and what they bring to the table so appreciate everybody for tuning in and here's to next time